listening to heal with sarah livia welcome beautiful this is the podcast where you will learn from world-class guides and experts about all the different healing modalities and self-actualization tools out there to inspire you on your healing and growth journey whatever that looks like i'm your host sarah olivia embodiment pleasure and self-love coach and a somatic healing guide I am so honored to have you listening. Buckle up, bring an open heart and an open mind, and let's jump in. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Heal with Sarah Olivia. I have so many amazing guest episodes to share with you in February. I'm not even sure if I'm going to do a solo episode in February um, because there are just, yeah, incredible conversations that I've been having. And this conversation is no exception. Anna Costa is an international love, sex and relationship expert. She currently lives in gorgeous Greece with her husband and children. But she used to actually live in Bonn, Germany, where I live. Um, and also used to practice at the yoga studio where I teach and is a graduate of the coaching certification that I'm currently taking. So lots of beautiful little synchronicities there. But the biggest reason why I wanted to have Anna on the podcast is her story is truly remarkable. Her resilience and her power in the face of what she has, um, what she has lived and what she has gone through are nothing short of... um, of miraculous and I won't go too much into her story because we're going to share all of that in this conversation but I hope that you find it as inspiring and grounding as I did and I cannot recommend enough um, that you connect with Anna after listening to this lovely episode. Welcome Anna, thank you so much for joining me and talking to all of us today. Thank you for having me, I'm really happy to be here with you today. Yeah, we all want to know all about how to have the perfect love match that we want. So we have so many questions. I have so many questions. Um, So can you, are you happy to tell us a little bit about your story, just so that we have a sense of some of the rich tapestry of your life? (laughs) Well, who, where to begin? So, um, yeah, maybe it's worth saying that I come from the Balkans. Um, so, um, and I say that because it's like, I feel there's like a, a little bit of a, like a particular cultural, uh, touch, you know, wherever we come from, there is that, but then I, um, I had pretty much half of my life now. I'm, I'm 42 years old. Like I lived abroad internationally. So that's been like a big piece of my life, living in an international mm. environment with uh, a lot of people from all over the world. And yeah, I've always known since my young age that I always wanted to have friends from everywhere and travel the world. Uh, and, and somehow, uh, yeah, that's how my life has become. Like I mm. really live this life. And uh, so not only in terms of friends, but I'm also in, in kind of cross cross. Uh, cross-national, cross-cultural marriage, uh, raising kids uh, in 
for different languages uh, oh living in different countries <laughs> so um yeah uh, my background is in in uh, in corporate so uh, i wasn't i wasn't conscious dating or sex love and relationship coach all my life <laughs> like i you, never you know i would become one that. no i wasn't <laughs> born it wasn't in my wild it wasn't even in my wildest dreams that i would actually like you know happily call myself like that yeah it's like i I I come from um, also I guess that it's more generational than cultural like you know you need to go to university finish good school get a good job mm -hmm. and like that was the model of like how my generation um, yeah. uh, was living yeah. it's just that the model has changed in the meantime and like all of us are like changing jobs all the time so for me it was the personal struggle the the struggle in my personal life actually that led me uh to go into the coaching journey yeah in the coaching path uh because I was this um you know a student always like being great and excellent in everything I do and having all aspects of my life sorted out uh but then my love life was always um not always a mess but it was like really a lot of up ups and downs mm. and then when I hit that age that was kind of the age when society starts putting pressure on you like in yeah. the late 20s it's like okay what are you doing with your life now you have a good job you know you have you have a stable life it's like when are you going to like find somebody and get married and have kids and all of these like questions from parents family yeah. friends society uh, and that's when uh, I really felt like, you know, I'm really like not not able to find myself in that. And then that's how I ended up being in a relationship that was kind of really bad for me at the time. Yeah, because I was I was I was probably like subconsciously like chasing that uh, or there, I still believe it was like a karmic relationship that I needed really to heal something with with this uh relationship that actually led me to the biggest struggle of my life which was um kind of being being heartbroken in a way that I never imagined I would so uh, I was going through a lot of let's say emotional and mental abuse by my ex-partner so it wasn't yeah. physical but yeah. still it doesn't have to be physical to be it's really bad. very real uh, yeah and uh, I ended up being a single mom very early on when my when my child was barely one years old and that was kind of really hard I was uh, 30 years old I was in, in 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 my early 30s and it felt like you know my life was uh my life has just started yeah but then it has ended at the, ended same, at the time. same time and yeah. I was like sitting there and wondering oh my god what am I going to do now like I I, I am I going to be like single parent for the rest of my life like is, yeah. is this it is this yeah. all that I'm going to yeah. have in my life from now yeah. on? I'm going to have this job. I'm going to have my kid. And that's it. It's finished. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> so that was kind of the hardest thing to to reflect upon, to digest, to think about. So, wow. yeah, that was, that was something that led me yeah. through all the healing oh, yeah. journey then and through, through all the transformation that I have. Yeah 
experience. Like your your kind of cornerstone, the foundation that started, you know, what has then been an incredible journey of growth and discovery and obviously impacted everything through your own journey, but also what you then have brought into the world in terms of your your work and your purpose. Um yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially like being the the woman with like, you know, abroad, living abroad in a foreign country mm-hmm. with an immigration background that is like moving from a less developed or like a third world country to a first world country, like yeah. being looked also like with, with different eyes from yeah. like in a different way from, from the local people. That was also kind of very, very challenging. That's what made the journey yeah. even more more challenging um yeah so you you moved around in your early 30s then as a single mom with your then toddler to yes so I was already living abroad yet say from my mid-20s and you know things were not going well with my love life I I I found the ex-partner we got married but then uh, as I as I had my child I I took a longer parental leave. It was like a two years parental leave mm-hmm. where the relationship crumbled. I went back to my parents' house back in Serbia and I just needed to figure out what I'm going to do in my life. So yeah. yes, that was when I moved kind of back to Germany to restart my job, corporate job with a two-year-old. The courage, the courage that that must have taken to be like, okay, I'm going to do this by myself I mean moving to another country by yourself at any age I think is is scary and is challenging like it sounds like an adventure and it is an adventure but there's also a lot of challenge that goes with that but then doing that fresh out of a heartbreak with with a young child that you're dependent on that must have been that must have been kind of terrifying yes definitely it was and I I didn't know like from the beginning of this story that this is what I'm going to do I was really like figuring this out yeah and I have to say that I wasn't able to figure this out by myself so at that time I was lucky enough to um, like I was looking for help anywhere because there was like a, a real bad story around my ex mm. that that surrounded the whole thing um that um brought up a lot of shame and kind of self-doubt because there was something that's happened um like something that he got himself involved and was publicly exposed and it was like a big scandal in my my home country Uh, and the shame was like felt not just by me but like by family members by everybody who knew me or who knew who I was it was just like something that was all over the media and it felt just like I'm dying. So that added another element to to this trauma. Yeah. And for me, um, I really needed to. I that was the first time that I felt like I needed to speak to somebody who's neutral because I know yeah. that my family wants the best for me. They also want me to stay sane so that I can take care of my you know yeah. one year old child at, at that time. And I knew that you know I also I also wanted to stay sane and take care of my of my son. Uh, so I asked around if I could find a therapist, but you know, it was like a back in Serbia in my hometown, which is a smaller town. It's like, that was 10 years ago, right? It wasn't very easy to find uh, anybody like, you know, mm-hmm. that's like even, even, um, you know, psychotherapy is still 
seen as a little bit of like you know it's only for for those who are like crazy and mental yeah like it's not something culturally it's not yeah, something that is, sure. that is uh and i know oh. this is not just in that culture it's like yeah. you know there are always like different people and how they see things yeah so i was only able to find a therapist in the capital in belgrade which was like two and a half hours drive from where i lived so i was going every week to to that therapist I was recommended by my male cousin which was quite fascinating like my older male cousin was going to therapy back then I was like wow oh, <laughs> yeah, very advanced yeah so it was just like lucky that uh I was able to find this this therapist but yes not where I where I was at the time so it was pretty much I took a whole year that was like the year before I went back to to work I was Every week, you know, taking a bus to travel to Belgrade. to And and the good thing about that was I had that day just for myself. So I took a whole day because I was with my parents. They could take care of my kids. So once per week, I had a day to myself that I knew was coming. And I was taking it for the therapy session, which was like one hour long. But then I had, I don't know how many hours, I don't remember anymore, but maybe like five additional hours or so five six hours to just like loom around uh that's the city where i studied that's the city where i lived for five years it's a big city it's very vibrant so it was something that was bringing a little bit of like color in Mm. my in my life but Mm -hmm. also i was very scared like what if i meet some people who know about what happened what are they going to ask me so there was like a lot of anxiety in me back then but I definitely can say that that's how my healing journey started, like working with a psychotherapist, just yeah. like going and talking to the therapist, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that's where, where the, the healing, healing began. Where the healing began, yes. And I must say, like, I did intuitively also, like, I started reading a lot of things by yeah. myself without, yeah. without the hint of therapist. And I started really try, trying to find, you know, trying to f- find what would what would heal my soul. So that's where, yeah. you know, I was diving into, uh, how you call this book? Self-development. Self-help, yeah. Self-help, self-help, yeah. Self-help books and things like that. Uh, and that was something that was really soothing my soul, totally. And then once you had left and gained that distance was that then even more of a catalyst for you kind of being able to remove yourself from that situation entirely from that history yeah. of abuse yeah. from that trauma and just be like okay fresh fresh start that was very helpful it didn't feel like fresh start because I was still trying to keep that relationship with my ex sure up. I was still trying to help him I was still trying to right uh, you know, make um, make him part of of my life or or our child's life, but because he made some moves that only for him were probably rational for like for for me or for, for all the other people that I talked to were quite irrational. Like he he took this thing that happened to him as like um, cause of a to have a revenge or whatever. So the problem is that he dedicated. I I feel like he dedicated his life at that time like to that and you know the family was secondary like totally yeah. so I felt like I was totally abandoned uh, and I had to figure out my life and that's where the therapist helped me to kind of find the 
what was the best next step for me? You know, yeah. I, I had yeah. I had three options to go back to my corporate job in Germany and live in a in a city that I know and do the job that I know. And then the new new variant would be like having a child <laughs> and being a single mom <laughs> abroad. Just a plus one. <laughs> away from my family. Yeah. That yeah. was like with a full time job. Yeah. There was no there was no option for me to do that job. Um yeah part-time and plus there was a job with a lot of international traveling yeah which I could only do with the help of my family like basically my mom coming in and out flying in and out uh to take care of my kid but my family said from the beginning they will support me and yeah. that 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 in the end turned out is the best option because the other two options were like staying in my hometown where I I wouldn't able wouldn't even be able to find a job at my level like you know yeah I could like work in my parents uh, bakery and like <laughs> as a salesperson but that was not something that you know I wanted to do or I could move to Belgrade the city where I studied and where I had all the friends and the city that I knew that was a bigger city that could offer me like possibilities to find a job but then still the yeah. job would be new and I would still like be a single mom away from the family it doesn't mm. matter this is like two hours driving or two hours flying sure. it's still away you cannot have your family next sure. to you so somehow it made more sense that I just like yeah. go back to Germany and with the help of my therapist I made that decision and I felt kind of quite quite comfortable and sure that I could do it even yeah. though it seemed like crazy to everybody else yeah. around me to to everybody yeah. else who knew me basically so obviously being a full-time working single mom doesn't necessarily leave a huge amount of space for a love or sex life right definitely not definitely, definitely not, not. <laughs> it's um, like almost zero <laughs> yeah so do you remember the point at which you were like oh, actually that is missing for me and I'm ready to open myself back up to that so definitely yeah it took it took a while like having that distance like what you asked me previously having that distance helped kind of calm my nervous system down because I was kind of away from that um, drama though I was still keeping contact with my ex like trying to help him sort out his life trying to like help him come back and join us in Germany but that wasn't working. I was still like experiencing a lot of emotional and mental abuse, even just like, you know, over the phone or video calls or whatever. Uh, but then as that ceased, as, as the distance was there and that kind of got removed a little bit more from my life, I, I started to feel more safe and more calm. And then I realized, okay, my battery, my life is actually much better like this without this person without all this toxicity yeah without uh, all the drama yeah of course that was something that was uh, yeah keeping me um, keeping me up at night in a very unhealthy way right yeah. and taking sucking all of my energy so love and sex life wasn't even on on my radar like yeah. I was I remember like being I don't know for quite a long time I mean I was with that ex-partner and in, in those years of separation, like, you know, love and sex life was also kind of almost non-existent. But I remember like being without any desire to have sex for more than two years. I was basically like, I didn't have sex at all. Yeah. Uh, and then after that year, 
spent on my own and like actually confirming to myself that I can live like this. It's not yeah. the easiest thing that I've done, like, you know, having a full-time job, running to pick up the kid from daycare, going home, mm-hmm. preparing dinner, like, all of these things. Yeah. And like living in a constant anxiety that, you know, he doesn't get sick so much so that I have to miss out from my work because that was the only way that I was financing my life and the life of my child back then like yeah, I, I didn't have any financial support yeah. from anybody apart from my parents who were you know coming and giving their time to help yeah. me yeah um so that's when I guess the the desire started to come back like the thoughts is like but maybe maybe the life is not over yet maybe I could actually start again maybe I could mm. love somebody again uh but in a way that that is somehow deeper or more conscious so that's when I started like reading books about conscious relationships and 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 love and attending some kind of um let's say holistic seminars or like weekends like that just trying trying to do bits and pieces wherever I could squeeze in into my into my busy lives uh but yeah the good thing about it was like I wasn't going out anywhere there was no time for that. So every evening when I was at home and my little one would be off to bed, I, I would then just like read or like yeah. listen to things. And that was... You just became... Ongoing a, for like... <laughs> yeah, became I became like I a became, soulmate magnet. <laughs> something like that. So yeah. I was just like immersing myself in all sorts of like self-help or whatever, like content yeah. that I could find. And that was ongoing for two three years like non-stop <laughs> and through all of that research and learning what did you realize you wanted from a relationship what did you realize you wanted from um a partnership yeah so what what I realized is like of course I wanted something that I didn't have and that was uh the partner first of all the partner who is right now at this stage of my life at my level yeah or like slightly slightly above but not below because that's what I felt like you know this partner was not really at my level as much as I have seen his potential and that's what a lot of women fall for for the potential Uh, as much as I have seen the potential in this person like you know I don't know how many years wouldn't be necessary for this potential to Uh, develop and maybe it wouldn't like you know it's a risk so I really knew that I needed a person who was kind of already mature and and grown up on their own yeah and I learned that even more when I opened myself up to dating and that summer when when I started dating like back in 2015 like I was meeting men who were much older than me much older seven eight years or so on But they were not mature. And that's when I realized like, okay, age is not a big factor in, in this whole thing. So I wanted a, a partner who is who is mature, who is uh, reliable, who's responsible for themselves, their own health, their own well-being, yeah. their own finances, like their own life as a whole, who can like function and be functional and healthy on their own so that I don't have to suffer from their unhealthiness or dysfunctionality or whatever me and my kid and of course the partner who would then accept me fully as a single mom yeah and that was one of my biggest kind of 
stepping stones. That's when I remember like, you know, a few years later, I, that's when I first hired a coach. And that's when, when I've seen the power of coaching and that's, that's why I've chosen the coaching path. So it's like when I was working with a coach to overcome this belief of like, who would want me as a single mom? I am in my early 30s. I am a single mom. There are so many women in their early 30s. They are not moms. They're just single. <laughs> it's like, why would anybody pick me? That was something that I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get over, let's say, for for a while. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that if somebody, yeah, if somebody, if I found somebody, they really needed to kind of be fully accepting of me with a child and also my child fully being accepting of them. Yeah. So for those of us listening who don't understand or know, aren't familiar with the concept of conscious dating, can you Mm -hmm. explain a little bit how that differs from regular dating? (laughs) Okay, I'll try. Uh, regular, Regular dating... You know, I would I wouldn't say it's unconscious dating, but regular dating is we start, let's say, dating or uh, start exposing ourselves to different partners from our teenage age. Right. And Mm -hmm. then we go into adolescence and like we like somebody, we have a crush on this guy, then like, you know. He becomes the thing in our world mentally. We're like all obsessed about him, talking to our friends all the time. Uh, and then either something happens with this guy, which means like, I don't know, we're now like, uh, he likes us as well. We're holding hands, we're kissing. And then we're somehow now in something that looks like a relationship. But, you know, maybe we, we spoke about it. Sometimes, you know, we had a thing when we were kids. And then the the guy would need to ask the girl, like, you know, are you going to like there are different expressions in every language. I actually don't know what would be like the English. English, in English you would say like we're going out like okay. when you're a teenager, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going out. That would mean um, that you were like boyfriend and girlfriend. OK, um, so something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know that um, in German they say we'll still meet me again. <laughs> That's what yeah. I learned uh, over there. Something like that in my yeah. language also. Like, you know, are you kind of going with me? And that means like we're going and... We're going. There is no... like It's indefinite. <laughs> we are together now. Uh, and there is no direction or purpose because there is no need for that when you're a teenager. Yeah. You're just together and you're like living the moment. You're exploring life. You are not a mature adult person. Yeah, and those things start changing. Like when you hit the adolescence, you still, you still connect with that model, but then you start having those goals and desires and aspirations. You want, I don't know, a common life. You want to live together. You want to start a family, and um, if you enter a relationship like that, just like somehow, how would I say, by default, right? yeah. Whatever sure. was happening in your early, yeah. early uh, time, teenager, adolescent time, uh, there is no, there is no kind of set vision for that relationship. So some couples grow through it together and they manage to get there as yeah. a couple and get married. But a lot of people don't manage that. And above the age of 25 or 26, and that's where the science actually helps us understand why is that? Because the human brain uh doesn't fully like 
prefrontal cortex doesn't fully get developed uh, by the age of 25 or 26. And then I read some studies that say even like with women, it gets fully developed around the age of 25, 26. But with men, it can sometimes only fully develop at the age of 30. It's like, okay, <laughs> now that explains a lot. <laughs> so I would say that conscious dating would be something for people over that age or like for yeah. people who are kind of now fully, let's say, developed. We would not know yeah. that, right, rationally. But you feel like you're now, uh, let's say, in your late 20s, early 30s, or even older, and you know that you want uh, uh, not just a relationship, but you want a partner with whom yeah. you want to build your life, with whom yeah. you want to kind of build yeah. life together. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the conscious dating comes in because you are starting kind of with that intention. It can also yeah. be called intentional dating or dating with purpose. Yeah. And you are dating in a way that you're actually trying to find that that match and kind of align your visions in that process of dating before you hit the early relationship stage yeah because if you start just going into a default relationship as the currents move you you'll end up in, in the same kind of relationship you had before and then you would need between six months and two years to actually understand are we on the yeah. same page are yeah. we do we actually want the same things do we actually want to have kids both of us like and then often partners split up in their 30s or even 40s because they realize they don't want to have kids like one of them wants to have a kid the other one yeah. doesn't or they want to travel the world and the other one just wants to stay in their like hometown in the yeah. same street and they don't want to move anywhere so basically conscious dating is all about aligning these lifestyle visions mm. while you're dating and also allowing yourself to meet different people like yeah. I, I often say like date multiple people that doesn't mean that you're sleeping with them having sex with them or even kissing with them you're just going out talking to to people and and trying to assess you know how much you align in all these things so that you can start talking about eventually getting into a relationship together and that process should take a little bit of time so that once you're there you're both really feeling safe and relaxed Mm. because you now know where is this where this ship is sailing like we know that we know maybe you know maybe we don't know the final destination but we have the direction and we know where we need to go together so that would be that would be my definition or like distinction between regular dating (laughs) or or conscious dating that's yeah and I mean I think anyone listening would probably agree that it kind of sounds almost very unromantic you know, if we think about like that, <laughs> we think about the ideal of just like we see someone, we fall in love and everything just falls into place. But like, you know, anyone that's been in a relationship for longer than like a couple of years knows that that is most often not really the case and that these things really, really take a lot of work. So I can almost see how that approach from the outset can kind of create that sense, as you said, of like security and safety that you could actually deepen more into the in- intimacy. Right. Because I guess people might exactly. counter that with just like, yeah, but what about like my soulmate? If I find my soulmate, we'll just like, we'll just work it out. But actually opening yourself on like a soul level and into kind of what you might describe as like sacred union is really quite hard if there are a lot of barriers to your nervous system relaxing, I can imagine. Exactly. So, I, I as much as maybe this sounded unromantic the way I was explaining it, 
there is actually, you know, the romance happens in the same way. It's just that you're a little bit more aware and mm. conscious of all the all the alignment and, and, and choices that you're making. And as you say, it does leave much more space for deepening intimacy and yeah. all of that. Because I can confirm now from my own experience that I've never been like so deeply, intimately connected with anybody yeah. else before as yeah. I am now with my husband. Even like, you know, sometimes you would have like, you know, sex with somebody. And it's like, oh, that was like, you know, the best sex of my life, whatever. But these things can actually grow better in a relationship, even if it didn't start with with that. I don't know, yeah. like smoke, smoking hot the sex or whatever. <laughs> the smoke shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, these things can just like with with a lot of safety, with a lot of nourishment, with a lot of um, you know genuine uh, genuine love for 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 yourself and the person that you mm-hmm. have in front of you that can really that can really deepen. Uh, yeah. And that's that's why I would say, and that's why I say it's just like for people you know who cross their age and they're really struggling to find a partner yeah so it's like late 20 late 20s yeah. early 30s because people before that like probably you know wouldn't be able to kind of w- would maybe find it a bit unromantic or whatever yeah I mean like I agree but I would also argue that that you know those concepts are something are you know worth teaching to worth teaching to people of any age because I think that like such a huge piece of what you're talking about is you know being really radical about not abandoning yourself right because yeah yeah I think yes it's possible for anybody who wants to find that kind of love but it's really serious not just like we're all dreaming about you know that kind of love since we are very young but yeah. when we're really yeah. serious to go take that path yeah yeah that's where this concept is worth teaching yeah. to to also to anybody so also younger people as well yeah completely because I think you know had I for example been taught that actually you know molding myself to fit someone else or just like fawning over somebody or making myself as available as possible was absolutely not the way to find the love and relationship that you know that I would ultimately thrive in would have been very helpful um yeah I think that that that's something that people of all ages should know but I also understand what you're saying that at a certain age you know what your you actually know what your values are you know what your boundaries are um so I would guess that you're quite pro red flags. <laughs> well, um, what are your thoughts on red flags? Uh, what are my thoughts on red flags? We just, um, well, I think we all learn quite well from our experience. So whatever, you know, we like whatever experience we had before and we kind of had a feeling that this could be a red flag, but we still said, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it happened to me, I'm sure it happened to a lot of people as well. Uh, then you're like, okay, you know, I should have kind of like listened to my intuition or whatever, like, you know, did something about it when I recognized the first time. So um, I, 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 I use the term red flags and I use the term boundaries, but I also like, prefer to use the term standard it's like what yeah. is your standard because it's just it means the same thing as boundary basically yeah. what is your standard that you don't want to lower yeah. because of something yeah. or somebody uh and yes we are taught to to 
to kind of mold ourselves and like fit in and and uh, try to kind of show our love by I don't know be like being a yes woman or whatever but then you really learn soon after that this doesn't leave you happy because you're like compromising on your own on your own standards on your own happiness if you do it for a very long time that's what builds resentment and that's later on what uh, and I mean, for both men and women, it doesn't matter. This is universal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're all the time kind of uh, molding yourself in, in order to fit into somebody else, I don't know, desires and wishes yeah. and lifestyle, then eventually you'll become resentful because you're stepping over yourself and your own standards and you're like not valuing yourself. And you really need to find that line. I don't say that you should never do something that to please your partner, even if it's not really the most satisfying thing for yourself but there should be some kind of um, limit to that as well of course how did you know that you had found a partner in your now husband who met those standards Mm, how did I know well um, first of all uh, it was something that that he expressed on the first time let's say on our first date that like I don't remember anymore how that conversation went because obviously it was like uh I don't know eight years ago (laughs) (laughs) but he did say something like you know he he is he's kind of like looking for a relationship Right. So I uh, I mean, I was listening to him a lot. A lot of times people just don't listen or don't want to hear what <laughs> the other person tells them. They say like or even on the dating apps, I, I want a casual thing, but we still hope that they want a relationship when we go with them and they tell us like, I don't want it. And, you know, it can be a fling and people still stay with that person hoping that they will change their mind that's like the mm-hmm. worst thing that people do so my 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 husband he did tell me that he wanted a relationship uh and for me that was one of the kind of okay you know this this guy wants to have a relationship that's already like something right it's like a first qualifying thing uh and then um I don't know. It was the experiences, I guess, life experiences, like living abroad. He also mm-hmm. lived abroad, moved to different countries. Um, he was kind of uh, going through life on his own. Like, you know, he didn't have uh, the help of uh, like family or mom and dad constantly behind his back and like being the mom's son or whatever. They're like, which can be very typical for like people from the Balkans, especially. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was just his, yeah, I remember like, he, he, that was so funny. He checked out, you know, I'm using, I was using LinkedIn back in my corporate days. So it's like, you could see like, you know, who checked your profile. So I saw like, he checked my profile. So I, I went and I saw his profile and his profile was so kind of, it, I was clear that he was, like a a good a good guy like how would i say that um like a guy with good values good qualities integrity Mm -hmm. yes all of that like you know like and i I honestly i told him like i've never seen a linkedin profile like that it was like the best profile (laughs) your linkedin (laughs) profile has been keeping me up at night (laughs) i was like wow look at this guy (laughs) 
so that's where that's when I realized like my red flag in my previous relationship should have been like my ex didn't have any profiles or any so on any social media or LinkedIn like he was just like non-existence like and I was like yeah like makes sense you know even the companies check your social media profile when they want to hire why why you know why I wouldn't be like you know interested in seeing somebody's social profile because it becomes part of uh, you know today's world so I could feel uh, that's just like okay a little bit uh, more of a uh, funny thing about the LinkedIn profile but I could feel the I could feel the the connection the genuine interest mm-hmm. and he wanted to to learn more about me I could feel that um, he really he really liked me and he really was determined to to you know to to make it work uh, mm-hmm. especially because my biggest fear was telling on on my days that I'm a single mom <laughs> and uh I yeah I decided because it's like really uh, I I see people asking like when is the good time to tell like yeah the person this and this and that like first date second date so I really had to say that on a first date because I noticed that um when I started dating like you know guys would ask me a normal question like so what are you doing in your free time <laughs> I was like oh, I have zero free time I'm just working I pick have up a my child kid. I'm spending time with him he's he's too young like you know I'm I'm not even you know like I started using a babysitter when my son was four to go for a two hours yoga class um so i i felt like if i don't say the truth and that's also part of conscious dating like always telling the truth even if it's uh uncomfortable even if it's vulnerable uh, but also in a compassionate way if it's something that you want to say to the other person i don't know in terms of like you know you think it's not going to work or Mm -hmm. whatever so i really figure out I have to say that it's such a big part of my life that I cannot conceal this it, it wouldn't be fair towards that person but also like I would feel so bad so you know I had to say like you know I'm a single mom so I spend a lot of time uh, with my kid there's like not so much time that I can actually use just for myself or to go out or do anything else uh, and that's why I you know most of my dates were just like <laughs> coffee dates in the middle of the day <laughs> like leave earlier from work or do something like that it yeah. was really like not easy to even find the appropriate time for those dates yeah and so you are now happily married and you have moved to Greece is that right yes yes that's right because my husband is Greek and uh, so we met in Bonn yeah. in Germany and uh yes I'm happily married we've, we've been married now for more than five years eight years since we met and um yeah that whole process was really how would i say conscious like from from the from mm-hmm. the first moment of uh you know telling him things about my life i remember like pretty soon maybe i don't know second third date i i told him pretty much my my whole life story because you know he was there i could feel that he really liked me i could feel that he wanted to to make it work and that's how that's when he asked me like <laughs> So are we now, are we now together? Like, are we now in a relationship? It's exclusive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I like that because, uh, um, I told him like, yeah, I told, I told him, look, you really have to think about it. Like, I'm not going to be the fun, 
the most fun girlfriend to have because I cannot go out for dinners, for, I don't know, dance parties, drinks or anything like that. I have this kid yeah. and if you want to see me, it would be like uh, we would slowly, slowly start to build our relationship on our own. And that would probably be like uh, at night when my kids fall asleep and then like we would you would come to my place and we would like spend a few hours together and then in parallel with my kid we would just like go out to parks and and do things and build that relationship kind of uh, uh, the three of us so it's like I don't know if you're really up for that and yeah. I kind of said something that could work totally against me like but I was already I already had like a few trials and errors before then and I realized like I really want to say that yeah because I don't want to, you know, get hope for something that actually the guy is not ready to to do. Like, yeah. and I totally respect, you know, his choice. Yeah. So he was really, and I remember that he told me it was very good the way that you, like, it was very good how you told me things because that really kind of put things really straight. Like, yeah. you know, are you are you all in into this, which yeah. you know may not be something how you envision your you know your relationship to start or are you are you not like yeah. I, is this too much uh, that, that gives your, you then, it's your choice yeah yeah and that it's gives you choice. then the trust that gives you then the trust going forward you know when well. that's yeah. straight, so that, that, that it's, gonna, it's gonna go the direction that you want it to and now you yeah. guys you now you guys have another baby obviously your baby with your husband how old are your kids now uh so the the older one he's 12 uh-huh. uh, and he was four when I met my husband and the younger one is four now <laughs> sweet, sweet, <laughs> so like, ages. sweet yeah. ages yeah and yeah. um so I think I'm just I'm, I'm conscious of time so I'm going to ask you a few like quick fire questions for the listeners who are looking to kind of find that that kind of aligned true love match so my first question is what do you what what do you recommend somebody who's starting from scratch to do first when they are looking to find that kind of conscious relationship if they're not in a relationship they haven't met anyone yet what should they do before they go out and find someone look (laughs) Well, I, I I would say they should really be honest with the self, themselves in terms of like what are the qualities that mm-hmm. are a must have in, yeah. in this partner and what are the, let's say, lifestyle choices and experiences that are must have in that relationship. That means yeah. do we want to get married? Do we want to have kids? Do we, I don't know, want to live in a country or in the city? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And really, uh, that's what I was doing totally also intuitively without the guidance of anybody. I was like writing, writing these things down and really reflecting, especially because I had a relationship that I wasn't having these things in and like my partner wasn't that that kind of a partner that could fulfill all these, let's say, the standards or my needs, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you really think, is this a need or is this just uh, a nice to have? Yeah, uh, okay. and when you determine what are what are really the needs, these become your standards, or yeah. in other words, your boundaries. So whatever yeah. is not, whatever is not, or whoever it's is deal not breaker. feeling that you really, yeah, it's a deal breaker. You really have to be honest with yourself, and also, uh, 
you know, not to hope that somebody will change. Like either you will accept. You yeah. Know? And I don't say that there, there, there could be, there would be always like a perfect cut. Yeah. Uh, but um, like, is this something, if you don't find it in, in that person or in a relationship, is this something that you can live with and is not going to put you down yeah. uh, more and more and more after yeah. years? So really starting with that kind of, uh, I don't know, self-check, self- Yeah, uh, that clarity. Yeah. Clarity and then, uh, yeah, then put yourself out there in whatever ways work for you. Online mm. online dating apps, events, uh, meetups. Yeah, for yeah. People, there are still all different ways where you can just like go out, meet people and date. Yeah. But date without, you know, rushing to jump into a relationship. Like Completely. really just date- and try to make it a social experiment. I was like, try to make it a social experiment. Just date for the sake of like learning more about yourself and what do you like in in people and what you do not like. Because there will be a lot of things probably to add to those lists yeah. of yours yeah. after you have had some real life experiences. Completely. Thank you. Um, and do you find that there is an energetic element or kind of a, you know, like an energetic a spiritual element to this process i think yes but that's something that it's hard to you know put a finger on uh, mm. i think there is the definitely there is some kind of like energetic pool or um spiritual element as well also like what people I don't know, like people won't like to call that maybe also like chemistry, the energy yeah. so is like, yeah, you, you, you can feel it, you can feel if there is like the attraction, but then you need to always remind yourself that, uh, you know, this energy or the chemistry is not enough to sustain the relationship. Mm-hmm on yeah. a long run and that's where people say love alone is not enough and i really agree with that like yeah. love alone is not enough um, oh i fully i fully agree yeah. i found i found that um it would have yeah i would have definitely benefited from more more advice and understanding of the fact that around that kind of like one and a half two year mark that initial lust phase does peter out and it becomes it does become more of a conscious work every single day to like choose your partner and to make time for intimacy and to make time for sex and to make time for connection do you have a few like tips without giving away too much of your gold um for people who are in long-term relationships and who want to maintain that alignment and that intimacy yeah, definitely. If for me, it is really having the the regular time for connection. Uh, so you can call it however you want to call it. Like my husband and I, we call it sex dates, but that doesn't mean that we will have uh, sex on mm. all of these dates. Uh, but it will be the time, like a, once per week. I think that's kind of the most realistic for I don't know people who have kids or who are having jobs or yeah. whatever um like once per week having i don't know two hours if you can three hours even better uh whether that's a morning or the evening you will know how to do it it's more challenging when you have small kids obviously but really having like that sacred time to connect and talk Mm -hmm. about uh 
the challenges, what are you afraid of, uh, what are you aspiring, what are you reflecting about, what are your kind of thoughts, because in our day-to-day communication, even if we see each other a lot, we're not really communicating um, in a very deep, meaningful way. We communicate all the time, but like yeah. we cannot read each other's minds. So we really need to have that time where we are going to kind of share all our uh, thoughts and feelings and what was bugging us and what was great about, let's say, I don't know, previous week or what's upcoming yeah. uh, and then have have the time for intimacy that is kind of dedicated. That's why we call it sex days because we really want to intimately connect in those dates and that's like secure time once per week. Anything else that happens and in addition, bonus. like spontaneously, yeah, exactly. It's a bonus because, yeah, that's also one of the things like don't expect, uh, that's, I, I, I think that's like the biggest myth that we grew up with, like sex always has to be spontaneous. I, I think that comes from movies. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so many, like, so many lies about sex in films yes. and TV. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely that sacred time for for connection and also intimacy. And yeah, just call it whatever you want, whatever lights you up. You heard it here, folks. You've got to schedule that time. You've got to schedule that time for connection, for sex. Um, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, So the only thing that really remains very importantly to be asked is tell us about your work. Tell us about your coaching practice. How can people find you? How can people work with you? Uh, okay, so uh, people can find me on Instagram as anacosta.coach. Uh, um, my website, anacostacoaching.com. Uh, also Facebook, same like Anacosta. Um, and my coaching is um, mainly one-on-one coaching. Uh, and it's usually like a half a year journey. Because I believe that uh, whatever we do with my clients, there is always like a this healing piece that mm. needs to happen as like the first part of the journey. Uh, and then whatever is our goal to find a partner and the relationship that they desire. Most of my clients come for that, but I also have clients who are in a relationship and married mm. and want to deepen their intimacy. Uh, and I say it's like a six months journey because uh, you can't really change much in like one or two sessions. So I'm not no. doing one off sessions. I only do one off sessions for those clients who have completed this six month journey with me. And then they can just like book one session if they yeah. need support. But we have gone through the whole journey of like bringing them healing, whatever needs to be healed and bringing them closer to where they want to be. Uh, so, yeah, I have on my instagram website Mm. um links where Mm. you can schedule a curiosity chat with me um and the other way that i work with clients is also in um on the in the form of my feminine energy course that is something that i started a long time ago and it's still living and it's um mainly for it is for women whether they're single or in a relationship who want to kind of deepen their connection with their own feminine essence Mm. and live more from live everyday life but also like be more um show up more from their feminine essence in their love life as well so they can benefit from from that uh as well uh so that's like a group coaching program that is going on for eight weeks and uh the next round will be starting in november 
beautiful that you can find in my beautiful. social media that's amazing um I love the fact that you touched that you work with this feminine energy piece this feminine essence piece the last thing the last little bonus question that I want to ask you because I have a theory that every woman's feminine essence and power is like a slightly different flavor like manifests Mm -hmm. slightly differently obviously because we're not carbon copies of each other's so I'd love to hear what your like flavor what your feeling of your feminine power is Hmm. Uh, I feel that uh, my power is um, the color Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a lot of a lot of different colors Mm -hmm. Um, vibrancy uh, high vibration that's why I always talk about high vibe stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, vibration color um, and also I would say aliveness that is something that I think is is the essence that mm. kept me through all these hard times mm. and years, and co- keeping the connection to that or trying to revive it when it was almost dying. Dying. That's when. Uh, that's that's what helped me basically, and I fully agree that for every woman, is different, but it's definitely like living living in so much more peace and authenticity when we are connected to that and I remember like what, what you said I was trying to you know put my play my like downplay myself a lot like I I am this very vibrant alive but also dominant character mm. and that was one of the things that I was also working on with my coach back then I was like I feel like I'm too dominant and everybody mm. tells me like, it'll be hard for you to find a man because you're too dominant but and I was trying to put it down, but that just like didn't work no. uh, at all. So when I when I was when I then started embracing it, but also allowing myself to show my softness and uh, gentleness as a woman, like to also like yeah open up because I've been on my own. I was a single yeah. mom. I had to be a mom and a dad, and you know, like yeah. the, the breadwinner or whatever you want to call it that really puts you a lot in the masculine energy, especially working yeah. in a corporate with mainly yeah. men in the office. So it was really important for me. And that's, I, that's, that's why I guess I teach this because it was really important to bring back that softness, but also like embrace the dominance that that is naturally there and not yeah. try to fully diminish it in yeah. my love life because that's what I was trying to do. And that's why I failed before. Yes. So it was really, yeah that's that's something that I really wanted to say for the end because I think yeah. it's really important and a lot of like a lot of us compensate on on these things yeah completely and I mean I always say that like feminine energy is equal to but just different feminine power is equal to but just different from masculine power and I think if we yeah. are with this and we hold our own we can sometimes see that as being like really masculine. Sometimes, yeah, we can be too much in our masculine in that moment or like, you know, in a kind of imbalance towards our masculine. But I think it's also very possible, especially when you've met that kind of equally powerful man or like masculine being that you have now done to allow that power to kind of transmute into a more feminine quality where it's still powerful, but it's like, it is slightly different. It's a slightly different quality. And I see that, yeah, I see that and I feel that kind of aliveness in you as you've as you've experienced as you've expressed and um 
yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for, you know, bringing that work into the world because it's so important. Um, and so I'm hoping lots of, lots of women on that journey to finding that love match and also, you know, holding the highest and most beautiful version of their relationship can find you through this um, and, you know, go on that journey together. So thank you for sharing that and thank you for being here. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And um, yeah, it was really lovely talking to you about all of this. And you took me back <laughs> to my own journey. Uh, but yeah, now I can talk about it with a smile on my face. And that, and that feels really great. And like, thank you for taking me there again. <laughs> you're so welcome. You're so, so welcome. Thank you so much for spending your time listening to this episode of Heal with Sarah Olivia. I appreciate every moment that you spend with us here. If you would like to connect with me further, you can follow me on Instagram, Heal with Sarah Olivia, or on my website, HealWithSarahOlivia.com all very straightforward. You can find all of the links to my work and our guests' work in the show notes below. If you'd like to support this podcast and my work, I would be so grateful if you would follow this podcast, rate it on whichever platform you use, and you can also tag me when you share this on your social media, and you will be in with a chance of winning a tailored one-on-one breath journey with me. Finally, the beautiful music that you have heard is by my friend Ali Reza Abdullahi. So thank you so much to him for that beautiful piece of work. Have a lovely day. Sending you so much love.